Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Um, when I was, Chris asked me to speak this weekend. I always get so excited. I love to do this. But then you always go, okay, what am I supposed to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? I want to do what you want. And he says, why don't you just tell me what I've been telling you? I'm like, oh, that's a novel thought. So he's given, so what this is, is this is a bunch of things that he's given to me that I hope I can tie all together. They all really deal with participation. The fact that being a Christian takes participation on our part. So that's the part what I'm going to try and put together here. But first there's a, a video that I want to play. Because you know, it's me. I can't do it without having a song. So. <laughs> So he was from 66 to 73 was his career. 
But to think of the songs that he has out there and how many people still listen to him today yeah. is pretty amazing. So the verse that that is about, which I'm sure you all know by heart, is Matthew 7, 7 and 8. And it says, Ask, and the gift is yours. Seek, you will discover. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For every persistent one who will get, will, will get what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will get what he longs for. And every, everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. We need to keep asking. We need to keep seeking. We need to keep knocking. That's how we grow. That's how we move forward. We don't just stay in one spot. We can't get complacent with where we're at and think that we're where we're supposed to be all the time. He wants us to keep He wants us to keep going forward. And in this translation, it's the Passion Translation, I really like it because it, it persistently is in there. Because it's not saying in that verse that you ask one time, you seek one time, you knock one time. It's saying you persistently keep doing that. If you have to knock a hole in the door, then it's open. You have to keep doing it. Um, and you can't ask one time, seek one time, knock one time, and then go, oh, God's not listening to me. How oh, he just doesn't hear me. And this isn't turning out the way I thought it would. Well, maybe he wants you to put a little more effort into what you're doing. Maybe he wants you to knock a little harder. Maybe he wants you to seek him like you've never seen him before. You know, I think that's a, a real problem these days is the church shows up on Sunday and then goes home. What do they do during the week? Yeah, they come and they sing on Sunday, listen to the, the preacher give his sermon, and say, that was awesome. Okay, let's go back to life. Life should be with him continually. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm blessed with jobs that I've had where I can speak to him all day long. Most yeah. of the jobs that I've had. And hold a conversation. Some of the people around me think I'm nuts, but I don't really care what they think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, quiet. Um, along with this, there's two other things that he was really been speaking. One of them is the participation is really big. And the, the thing that he's been pushing at me is there's a real link between our physical fitness and our spiritual fitness. Because if you're not physical fit, and you're not able to carry out what he wants you to carry out, how can it get done? Um, <laughs> one of the other things, and I'll get to that one, I kind of skipped where I was at. But that, I'm already letting you believe me, I'm not even doing it. Okay. That's just totally 
Um, what I was going to go on to, get back to the physical fitness and spiritual fitness, is uh, a little saying that I think everybody's heard once or twice. Probably the older ones here will know it more than the younger ones. But is uh, you need to have some skin in the game. So what do you mean? And he said, well, look it up. So just, you know, look it up to see what it is. So it says, uh, to have incurred risk by being involved in achieving a goal. So he's saying, you have to risk. Maybe to achieve something. Now, why I, when I pulled that up, I just put skin in the game in Google and put up, you know how many sermons are wrote on that? You know how many books have been wrote on that? Christian books. So maybe this is a problem that we have. There's not enough of us putting our skin in the game, risking to achieve the goal that he has for us. You know what? It, uh, it's easy to do what I was saying before. You know, you can read your devotions, you can, you can come to church every Sunday, but is that really what an authentic Christian is? Um, in 1 Peter 3.14 it says, If you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. So that pretty much says we need to suffer. The only problem is nobody likes to suffer. Um, I was reading one of the sermons that was done, and this was this was in there. It says uh, the defining mark of an authentic Christian is not when you when you pray or say a prayer or go forward at a meeting or get baptized. It's the moment. It's the moment when it costs you something. Yeah. yeah. It's when you make a decision you would have never made if it wasn't for Jesus. Yeah. Oh, Amen. Yeah. So you risk. You put out. When you pay a price for doing what is right, you have skin in the game. And this makes Jesus real to the people around you that see you do. Yes. Your actions are way louder than your words. And they see what you're risking to believe in Him and do what He's told you. And that's another, I don't think the Christian body does that enough right now. With the way things are, I think He's asking everybody to step out and risk more, stand up. You know, we always want to be these meek. Well, I don't know if we want to. But I think we tend to be meek and mild and want to be conservative and not. It's not time for that. It's time to step up, put a voice out, come together as a body, and be ready to fight for this. He's right there with us. 
Okay, now I'll go to the physical fitness and, and spiritual fitness. He's been showing me how they work together. There's four verses here that I, I mean, there's there is so many. When you pull that up too, it's like verse after verse after verse that you can really put into this. But uh, the first one that I put down is 1 Corinthians 3.16. Which is, do you not know that you're the temple of God and that he dwells in you? Well, if we're the temple of God, shouldn't we take care of that temple? Not only physically, but spiritually? Not let anything in that's going to tear it down or destroy it? And that can be you know, done by however you want to look at it, eating, not eating what you're supposed to, drinking, smoking, whatever you want to say, that's on that side of it. But it's what are you watching? What are you listening to? Who are you around? What are you letting into the body? What are you letting into your ears? What are you letting into your eyes? This is where he lives. We're supposed to keep that temple clean. Clean out the cobwebs in the corners. Those little things that keep pulling you back and pulling you away from Him. The things that make you misstep. The things that make you... He's not going to hold them against you if you take them to Him. Just, you know, I love it when we... Emily had no idea what I'm speaking of. And when, when she's singing those songs and it's just a confirmation to me when things come up on there, I'm like, oh, thank you, God. It seems like it's what you want me to speak about. But being a temple means that we house Him. So in another thought, when it tells you to search yourself, why are you really searching? You're searching Him. Because he's the one inside of you. So if you search yourself and you're searching him, wouldn't you think he would lead you where you should go? If you're listening. We just have to learn to listen. And to play our part. The next one is Isaiah 40:31. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now the first part of that says, when we wait on the Lord, we gain our strength. But that doesn't mean we're doing this. <laughs> that means that we are studying His Word, we're trying to hear from Him. That's how we're gaining our strength. We're listening for what He wants to do. We're still doing everything. We're actively moving. We may be waiting for what He wants us to do, but we're preparing for what He wants us to do. And then it says, as we step into that, He's going to give us the strength to do it. He's going to give us the wings to see from above. 
He's going to give us the ability to run and not grow weary and walk and not think. Part of that has to do with our physical fitness, too. If we're not in a position to be able to do everything that he wants to do, then how can we do it? Now, he's not telling you, <laughs> I don't know if you would, but he's not telling you to go run a marathon tomorrow. Although he could help you do that, too, if you really wanted to. And in this whole thing when I'm talking here, he's not telling you to jump from the beginning to the end. He's saying keep moving through and keep improving and keep doing to keep moving forward. Sometimes it's real little steps. And sometimes you may feel like you're getting knocked backwards. But you have to get back up and keep moving forward. I really love that when Micah bought me my treadmill. That was the verse that she taped in front of me, or taped it on me. I was like, awesome. Awesome. I love it. It's like I read that every time I run. Um, and that goes to, I mean, that shows, it was a little over a year ago, I could hardly move my left arm. I definitely couldn't run. I've been working with John now, but even before that, I'd started running again. I was running, I still dropped off a little bit because we were working early in the morning this last couple months, but I was running three to four times a week, three to five miles a day. And I hadn't done any exercise for probably a year and a half because I was hurting so bad. So being healed by him is one awesome thing. And then being able to just take, and I didn't go and get on the treadmill and start running three miles the first day. I got on and went maybe a mile and went, oh, this is never going to happen. <laughs> but I just slowly kept working. Because I'd love to run a marathon. I'm in his marathon right now, and I want to finish it. And I want to finish it strong, the way he wants me to. And let him lead me where he wants me to go, and be able to do it. The next verse is 1 Timothy 4. Yeah, I didn't realize this, but the next two is 1 Timothy 4, 8, and 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. I was like, ooh, I'm not sure how that worked, but. In this, in 1 Timothy 4, 8, he says, Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So he's not saying that physical fitness is bad. He's saying it's good for this life. But godliness is good for this life and the next life. So he's saying we need to be doing this. You need to be studying. You need to be listening. You need to be gathering. You need to be... You know, I think it helps more than anything. Even when we did the men's breakfast yesterday, I still come back to that, that it was awesome to have men sitting there encouraging each other. And I think we just need to do more in the body. To have everybody encourage each other. It builds you up. It puts you forward into what he wants you to do. 
this is something that we can all use in this lifetime, in the next lifetime. We need to accomplish both. Second Timothy 4, 7, and 8 says, I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, where is in store for me the crown of righteousness? One of the things I think a lot of people need to do, and I have a problem with too, is we are worthy of that crown of righteousness. He, Jesus, has made us worthy. It's not because of what we do. It's not because of how fast I ran. It's not because of how many pages in the Bible I read. It's not in all the things that I try and do to help people. All those are good. He made us righteous. He made us to be able to have the crown of righteousness. It wasn't anything that we did. We still have to play a part. We still have to accept that crown. We still have to run the race. We still have to do all those other things I said, knowing that we're worthy of getting that crown when we're done with it. When the race is over. And we can go up there and just say, How will we do that? I don't know, I just got an image of me looking at it, look, I was looking into a mirror. Being able to see him in me. That is what we all need to be able to do, is see him in me. So what I'm trying to point out with that is we need to be healthy physically and spiritually to do what he wants us to do and to keep moving forward. Now the next part I, I put down to achieve what we this, we need to build our house on the rock. Which comes of course from Matthew 7, 24. And I know that that is a great plan, that is a great thing. But I also realize that there's times when we're baby Christians and times that we get attacked that it's just all we can do to have an anchor in that rock. We may not have our house completely on that rock, but we have an anchor in that rock. So like when the waves come, we're in the song, and pull you around. He talked to me about this one when I was, I was thinking about this, and he reminded me of when I was in Alaska on the fishing boat. We were in the process in one of the bays, we're in a big process barge, and they drop anchor. Well, they just dropped the front anchor. So as the tide would come in and out, it goes back and forth, it swings. And actually, it actually, there was a Japanese rigger that we'd offload onto that was out there too. And it actually swung in one night about two in the morning. They smacked together. Tore the crane off the 17 processor, told me people were going nuts. They thought we were going down. But what he was showing me was 
when you first put your anchor in there, your chain is really long. It can be, you know, long, long because of what's happened. You still have your anchor in there, and you're not letting it completely pull out, but you can be swung back and forth a long ways. But as your faith grows, the chain shortens. And you get closer and closer to that rock as you start trusting in Him. Saying, okay, I've got this. I've got you. Have I let you go? You're still anchored here, aren't you? Have I let you go out to sea? No, I haven't. You're still anchored in me. Come closer. Trust me more. And then as we do that, we get closer and closer. But then he says, okay, well, take this risk that I've put in front of you. And he said, oh, but I've just shortened this chain to where I'm almost on the rock now. And you want me to risk going out on that chain? And he's saying, no, risk, and I'll pull you tighter to that rock and put you right on it. I'm here. So as we risk, and as we step out, and as we put some skin in the game, as we take care of our fitness, the chain shrinks. The anchor can be pulled out because now we're on top of the rock. And we're building our house there. Because as the chain shrinks, our recovery time from anything that can hit us becomes really quick. We can get hit and taken off our step for a minute and then we go, oh wait. But he's right here. And it's the same way with your physical fitness. The more you work out, the less recovery time you need. And it helps in your whole life. Someone asks you to come help them move, and you got to load a big truck. If you've been doing some kind of lifting and some kind of work, that doesn't bother you. If it doesn't, you're in bed for two days after you help them move the truck. <laughs> As the recovery time lessens and lessens, until you're firmly on the rock, and you're built like a rock, ready to take on anything that's coming at you, because you know that he's got you. He's got you right there. Um, <laughs> this next part is... Uh, but don't be like a Pharisee. Or, like any of you have been to a gym, don't be a poser. You don't know what a poser is? It's guys that go up in front of the mirror and they grab the weight out and they lift it like twice and they send go. Into the mirror. And then they'll go sit for a while and they'll make one lift again and they'll come back and they'll pose again. You know, looking at their arms and their back. 
I look at him going, what are you accomplishing? Other than looking, I mean, don't get me wrong. I owned a health club. I lifted for years. I would look at myself in the mirror. But you know what? I did it at the house. Where we're supposed to pray, too, is in our house. Not out in front of everybody and show off. I didn't go do my posing and say, hey, everybody look what I did. So you're saying, well, what do you do? How do you get to this point? What is my next step? I'm going to give you a few testimonies just in my life. I moved here about five years ago when I was dating Micah and started coming here. I loved it as soon as I came. So I just started doing whatever I could that needed to be done. Just made myself available to help in any way that I could. Just anything that I had to do. I've been on most of the service teams over the last five years. And then I got put onto the board of trustees, which I'm not sure that was the good part, but anyway. Uh, but I made myself available to do what needed to be done and to be a part of it. And Chris could see that. And John could, or Jim could see that. And John could see that. I always had a feeling that I would be doing this. But I couldn't just come in and say, hey, Chris, I moved into town the other day. I want to preach tomorrow. <laughs> really, I know what I'm doing. Just let me do it. I've done it before a couple times. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Just trust me. No, you have to start. Being a, and, not, and it was Shannon Trier said something about this not too long ago either. He said, you realize the ones that are available, but the ones that get taught. The ones that are available are the ones that see what happens. The ones that are available usually gain way more than the ones who are there. So as time progressed, he could see that, Chris could, and he pretty much opened it up so that I could Anything prophetic that I had, he'd let me come up and say. Because he trusted me. He knew where I was. He knew I was in here to serve this house. In any capacity that he wanted. And that's what I'm still doing. So when he came to do this, I was like, I would love to. He said, I think you have a message. And I went, oh, do I? <laughs> Lots of them. And that's why I'm standing up here today. It's because I came in and served from the bottom to the top. Another one that a lot of you already know about is uh, Breeding House. It was about, about three years ago, three or four. Mike and I, if you've heard, we had a dream we want to have a rescue ranch for, for people and for animals. And, uh, we just looked at Freedom House and we went with the Sacred Silver House and went, you know, 
if there's someone that you have on your heart, you should serve in that. So we decided to just volunteer whatever they needed. So Micah could go in, they really didn't want me spending nights over there, so they, uh, Micah did that. All I started doing was mowing the lawn. I just said, Fred goes, you know what we need right now? We need somebody that can just take care of the lawn. I said, got it. So every Friday I go mow the lawn. And then it ended up being a little maintenance here, a little maintenance there. Whenever they call, they go over and help and do what I could. And then what do you know? It wasn't maybe three months. Fred and Molly go, huh? Do you think you and Micah could come to dinner with us? Oh yeah, I guess. Where are we going? Oh, yeah. So if you're paying, I'm going. Anyway. Um, <laughs> make it a good place, though. Make it a good place. <laughs> so they invited us and we went and he asked if we would like to be on the board of the Freedom House. And we're both like, what? And he said, we really need some people that are willing to work and willing to do so. We need that on the board too. So Micah just, do you think she could free up enough time? I said, yes, I'll do it. Because I want to learn how you run this kind of ministry. I want to sit on your board Soak up what you do, good and bad, and learn how to do it. Because if we're going to do it, yeah. it's good to know what to do. Yeah. So in this same time, I moved over here, didn't have a job at all, and didn't have any prospects on the way over. I'm thinking, yeah, probably going to need to make some money when I get over there. Micah's boss. He's really good friends with Mark Fuller, who runs the, the White House French Mob. Clear water gear is what they call them. And uh, they had been talking, and he just told me to come over and apply to Mark and see what he had. And the thing is, her boss had never, I mean, they've been friends for, and Mark's been running that place for 35 years or whatever. He has never given. Mark a reference for anybody to come work for him. He's never sent anybody over to do anything. I was the first one. He sent me over there and I talked to Mark and I started working there and immediately, well, no, I guess he had to see. First, you know, he, he does the story where you make it 90 days, pretty good because most people don't make it 90 days here. You know, scary talks when you start a job. I'm thinking, buddy, you just gave me a reason to work here at least 90 days now. Because I'm going to prove that I can do it. But as it went, I, I gained favor with Mark. I worked hard, I did what he wanted, came in and wanted, worked extra hours. That's probably why my body gave me up. But God had another plan. So when it came time for the Bethesda Men's House, Mark had owned that house. It had been a woman's house before. Mark had owned it. It's set up to do exactly what they're doing with it. So Fred had been looking for properties to do a men's house. And they found a place. And so Fred took me and said, hey, yeah, there's this guy Mark Fuller owned it. And I went, oh, really? Oh, I just happened to work for Mark Fuller. I have a pretty good relationship with Mark Fuller. 
goes, well, would you talk? I said, I'd love to talk to him about it. So I walked into his office the next day, or within that weekend, I said, hey, we're looking at your house. Who? Who's looking at my house? So I said, Freedom House is looking at your house. Well, what's that? So I explained him what it was. Told him what was there. What they were thinking of doing with it. And Mark's a businessman. He's not going to just, you know, do anything. He's going to check things out. So he did. He checked out Fred. He checked out Freedom House. He checked out everything. And they'd come to uh, a kind of a conclusion that he you know, thought it was okay. So he started working deals with Fred. I had a feeling when I first walked in there and told Mark about it, that he'd end up giving the house to Freedom House. I just had that complete feeling. So when they started doing these dealings and, and uh, we're talking about paying this much and doing this much and all this, and I'm thinking, God, that's not what you said to me. You said he was going to give us the house. So as it turned out, we will have a couple months of Brad and Mark going back and forth. He gives them the house. He not only gives them the house, he gives him a $75,000 check to go with him. But I really think my part of being in that job was to open that door for Freedom House to get that house. Because I was there telling him what it was, who it was. I told Fred, I goes, no, I said, I'm sorry if I'm stepping on toes. He goes, you are not stepping on toes. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You know him, you know the connection, you have the thing, that's where you're here. All started by mowing the lawn. The little things as you step forward. I, uh, it's like I said before, if you don't know where to go, ask God. You don't think you're going from him? Ask the Christian brothers and sisters around you. They may have a better clue than you do. I've always said I love the fact that people see way more in me than I see in myself. Yes. And I can guarantee you it's the same with everyone else. Yeah. And as Jim would say, you have to learn to walk in what you've heard. Accept what they're telling you. Listen to the words that are given to you and step into what he's calling you to do. Um, see if I can kind of bring this all together here for a closing. Try to tie everything together. So I've got four main points. First one is we need to keep Asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep searching, keep questioning, stay hungry, keep learning, and be flexible. Because what you think is going to happen probably isn't what's going to happen. And it's probably not going to happen anywhere near the way you thought it was going to happen. Because he's got a plan. And he's holding the playbook kind of tight. 
because he doesn't want you to think you can use that playbook to get where you want to go. He's saying, I've got the playbook. I know where he needs you. I know what I want you to do. Now you just have to trust me. You have to participate. You can't be the guy that comes on the field and stands in the corner. Oh, I used to love watching my... Peewee baseball is amazing. Yeah, it is. T-ball is one of the amazing things you can ever watch. Because you can yeah. watch the outfield and be so... You don't even have to care what's going on over here the rest of the game. The guy out there that's picking the grass and the daisies and playing with the dandelions, flipping his mint here, turning his hat around. He's not an authentic Christian. Just in case you're wondering. I think a lot of us can do that mint throwing and hat turning and thinking that we're stepping into what we're supposed to do. But it's not really what he wants us to do. And thinking that just because we're on the field, that we're, like I said, that we're reading you know, our devotions, that we're coming to church, that we're doing all we need to do. And one of the other more testimonies that I didn't touch on was John goes to Nicaragua every year, or when tries to when things work out. And he asked me if I wanted to go. I said, Yeah, I'd love to go to him, and I have money. Well, we put out a letter. I decided I was going to go. He said, well, I'll, I'll get your ticket and you can pay me back. I'm like, oh, how much is that going to be? And so he got the tickets. We sent out a letter. We had people here to donate, people that we knew from other churches, family. That trip was completely paid for. Completely paid for. Even the, the spending money that we needed down there to buy extra food in was paid for. I had 250 extra dollars that I gave down there so that we could put a cement floor in a house. It was paid for. But if I hadn't stepped out and said, okay, John, I'm going to go buy that ticket, it probably didn't happen. And the other one is when Mike and I went to Brazil. A lot of you already know that. I mean, we didn't have the money. We didn't end up getting a tax return and God's like, you don't use all that on that trip. That isn't what that's for. You need to let people give to you. You can't take away their blessing of giving by paying for that yourself. Which is something that I've had a hard time dealing with. But this body has made it a lot easier. Because they're so generous. We needed all that money. I mean, you know, Kathy knows. We ended up getting all that like $4,000 in the last week to pay for that trip. So, and it came, we, I mean, we needed it. We got most of it on Sunday. We had to pay for the last part of the trip on Monday. So it all came in Sunday, and we had it to pay the trip on. So it was completely paid for. We put in a little bit, but nothing like we thought we were going to have to. But it's all because we stepped forward. All because we made that step and said we wanted to do it and we wanted to go and we wanted to learn and we wanted to press in. We wanted to feel His presence. 
wanted to know what they had down there. We wanted to feel that. You know, one of the things that I told Jim the other day was, he was telling the God was telling me, he says, you know, if you want my full presence, you have to give me your full presence. If you can't give me your presence, how do you expect to feel my presence? Okay, number two. Get some skin in the game. Take a risk. Take the next step. Even if it's a little step, take the next step. <coughs> Three, add to your spiritual and physical fitness. Start walking. Put some earphones on, listen to devotion while you're walking. Killing two birds with one stone. And you don't have to start bathing. I always tell people when I, I ran the health club. They'd always ask, well, does, you know, does this kind of gimmick physical thing, you know, they, I don't know, they don't know what some of you know, ab toners and all these things they have, the ads are going to make you fit in two minutes a day or whatever it is. Do those work? And I said, well, they do work. The only problem is you have to use them. If you take them home and set them in your bedroom and they become a clothes hanger, they don't work as much. I mean, there has been some science put into them, so they will do something for your body because you're physically moving on it. If you physically move on it. Eat better. Join a small group. Get on a surf team. Volunteer for a Christian organization. You never know what could, could end up on the board. And the fourth one? Don't be a poser. Don't be a Pharisee. Don't go out there and, and try to appear to be something you're not. Just be yourself. Just be yourself. I think they're praying for me this morning that's like, don't compare yourself to anybody else. Yeah. Be you. Yeah. He's made you to be you. Yeah. It took me a while to figure that one out too. It's like, man, that guy knows so much Bible. That guy can speak like, oh, I want to be like him. And God's like, just be you. He's got that part taken care of over there now. He doesn't need somebody mimicking him somewhere else. Just be you. You're more than enough of who you are. I've made you. I know what you have in you. Just be you. Okay. Can everybody stand and say a little prayer? Maybe a little activation. Oh, Father God, I just thank you for this amazing group of believers here. I thank you that you can speak to them and let them know exactly what you want them to do. 
what their next step is, where to go, what to do, who to love, who to encourage. And we all know, Father, that the body of believers needs to encourage each other and move forward. We thank you for that. We thank you for just your guidance and your leadership as we move forward, taking the next step, getting on the field and participating in what you want us to do. Thank you for that, God, in Jesus' name. So now what I want you to do, just give yourself a little bit, maybe a little back up to the, right up to the chair behind you, it's right behind you, and then I want you to have enough room so you can take a step. Because yeah. what we're going to do right now is I want you, if you have something that he's given you, even if you don't, I want you to physically say, on three, we'll go, God, I'm stepping in. And I want you to take that little step forward. Ready? One, two, three. God, I'm stepping in. See this, Father? Every one of these people stepped forward because they want to be with you. They all volunteered. You didn't realize that, did you? <laughs> you all volunteered. If anybody needs prayer, I'll be up here. Thank you for listening to me. And I thank you for just having a blessed rest of your day. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.